Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Hey, we're continuing and we're talking about prayer, as was mentioned previously in our poetic rendition there. That was uh, pretty amazing, Eric. That was... I was impressed. I have zero poetic abilities whatsoever. So, uh, but we're we're talking about prayer uh, from Luke chapter eleven. I, I really think this is a theme God's got for us right now. Uh, just thinking about prayer, we looked at the context of this prayer. You remember that the disciples initiated it. Um, they would they would observe Jesus. They see him praying. And they thought, man, he's on to something. He's got something going on there. And they came to Jesus and said, hey, would you teach us to pray as well? So that was the context. And then we look at the content of the prayer a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, last week, uh, I wasn't here. I was up at uh, Vancouver Vineyard uh, for the ordination service for Luke and Lena Glover. Uh, we have a new vineyard church being planted in North Portland, and that was exciting. I am blessed to be a part of our greater vineyard community, and it was a blessing to have our friend from the, uh, the congregation formerly known as Hope Vineyard, Sharib Rock, here to share with us. So we're, we're all part of the family. So that's where we were last week. So thanks to Sharif for that. Um, but uh, prior to that week, we talked about the content of that prayer in Luke 11. And let your kingdom come. And that really is, that, that is the central focus. That's the heart and soul of prayer. Let your kingdom come. Let the kingdom of God come to bear on whatever it might be that's going on uh, here now today. This morning, we're going to continue with just the the follow-up to that, uh, where Jesus talks about the importance of prayer. How, how important is it, really, that we pray? Uh, have you ever asked yourself that question, honestly? Does it matter if I pray or not? Sometimes it seems like, uh, you know, we know well, if God wants to answer us, why do we need to pray? Or if he already knows what we're going to ask for, God knows everything. He knows what we're going to ask. Why do we need to ask? Why doesn't he just do what he's going to do if he's going to do it anyway? Why do we need to pray? Uh, there's some answers to that. I think we'll see some of that today. Um, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you what we're going to cover. There's three, three takeaways, three lessons, I think, in this passage. I'll give you those first and, and then we'll look at it. But here, here's what Jesus says about prayer and why it's important. First, we pray boldly. Uh, we want to pray boldly. Go or, go bold, boldly go where no man has gone before. Is that how it goes? I'm not a Trekkie. Is there any, anybody a Trekkie? Yeah. Josh, are you going to admit it? Yeah, a couple of you. Jesus uh, uses the term, and uh, Eric alluded to it, shameless audacity. I, I really like that. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But we press in. Press into God in prayer boldly. Number two, God wants to answer our prayers. That, that really is true. Uh, he used the illustration of giving good gifts to your kids, which is all contextual. I don't think about giving gifts to my kids anymore as much as I think about giving gifts to my grandkids. That's what I like. I like to give my grandkids gifts. And so uh, when they come to my house, they're, they're expected to get something good. They're not expected to get something bad. And I'm not going to give them something bad. I'm give them something good. And Jesus uses that illustration about prayer. God's going to give us something good. He's not going to give us something bad. 
Third thing we're going to see today is that when we pray, we should pray the expectancy. <clears throat> he tells us to ask, seek, and knock. And when we pray, we should expect God to move. So uh, our, our title this morning is The Shameless Audacity of Prayer. Our text is Luke 11, 5 through 13. Let's pray, and then we'll get into it. <clears throat> Father, I pray that you would open your word to us this morning. I pray that you would really teach us what it means to... Uh, pray with shameless audacity and to press into you. We ask that uh, you would just cause your word to uh, penetrate our hearts this morning, not just our minds, that this wouldn't be an intellectual exercise, but it would be a hard exercise, that you would move upon our hearts and our spirits. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's go ahead and uh, read it together. Luke 11, beginning at verse 5. And then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. Door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not give up, get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. But one more. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Uh, that would be so bad. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. That would be worse. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So again, this is a continuation of the previous section where Jesus was telling his disciples what to pray. They, they came to him and they said, teach us to pray. He told them what to pray. And now he's telling them how to pray. This is how, how we should pray. Uh, I love, Jesus is a master communicator. Uh, he tells them a little story. He could have said to them, hey guys, here's the thing, okay? Prayer is really, really, really important right? Uh, but instead, he tells them a story. Stories connect. Stories relate, don't they? People love a good story. I, I, it's interesting, you know, um, you watch the, uh, maybe you don't, political debates, and people, different candidates ask, you know, they answer questions, and they get heated, and they give their opinion. But every now and then, one of them, and I always notice this, will stop, different ones at different times, but they'll stop and they'll say, you know, you, know, you know, Bob, I was in Iowa the other day, and I met this young woman. She came up to me, and she had her two kids with her. And they'll start to tell a story. And I always listen. You, you listen to the story because you want to hear, what, what, what about that woman in Iowa and her two kids? You want to know about that. You won't shout over here. Uh, so, so stories really relate. Jesus understood that, and he was, he was very good at telling stories. So instead of just saying, hey, it's really, really important to pray, he tells the disciples this little story, and, and he says, a neighbor you know, pounds on the door at midnight. Uh, that's not a good situation, is it? We're asleep. I, I, I don't want anybody pounding. I'm like, what? I mean, t I just, this, we need to contextualize this a little bit because things are probably not going to end well if somebody's pounding on the door at midnight today. Uh, but he's asleep. He doesn't want to get up. He's saying, hey, you know what? That's not my problem. You, you got a problem somebody's at your house looking for bread. They're not at my house. It's not my problem. Uh, but he continues to pound on the door, and he won't go away. And finally, the guy inside says, 
I am never going to get to sleep unless I get up and help this guy. So he gets up. Now, remember, in this story, who are we? We're the dude with shameless audacity pounding on the door. And you might say, I don't know if I like that. That's kind of rude. It's a little, it's, he's being a little bit obnoxious. Uh, you know, maybe you go, hey, hey, Bob, can you get up and loan me some bread? Ah, uh, Bob's not up. Okay, well, I'll go back home and tell, him, tell this guy that showed up, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I, I can't help you. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to knock and knock and knock and knock and knock until he gets up. That, that's the deal. I want to I make, if I could, some application to this. Over the past couple of years, um, we've had uh, several words, some from people within our congregation, some from those outside of our congregation, who said that God wants to do something here. I hesitate to use the term because it carries a little bit of baggage with it. It means different things to different people. But the sense is God wants a breakthrough in the midst of not only our congregation, but I believe our movement here in the Northwest and this region as a whole. Uh, I've been doing these radio interviews because of my book. So, so I get the, the publisher sets them up, and I, it's cold. I go on the radio, and I have no clue what these guys are going to ask about. But, but inevitably, they always ask about the church today. People aren't going to church. They're going away from church. And, and the reality is this. You know, Oregon and Washington are the two most unchurched states in the United States of America perennially. Every year. Some years, Oregon's number one and Washington's number two. Or some years, Washington's number one and Oregon's number two. But they're always one and two. That never changes. That never goes away. It was that way 20 years ago, and it's that way today. And I answer that. I go, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. I believe this, though. I believe that God wants to do something. And I believe God wants to do something in our church. And I think he wants to do something in our community and in our region. I believe God wants to make us a city on a hill. I think he wants to make us a light in darkness. I think there's so much polarization. There's so much division. There's so much animosity floating around today. Can we possibly be a place where God would say, I want to welcome people in? The shameless welcome of the kingdom. And, and the welcome of the kingdom really is shameless. During worship this morning, I was reminded of some things. In the 1970s, when I was a kid, young person, uh, there was a group of people in California who started praying for God to move and to have a revival. There was a church in Costa Mesa, uh, Calvary Chapel, and so a bunch of hippies started showing up. And they had long hair and beards, and they were weird, you know, not very together, and they lived out in the woods, and they didn't take baths. And they started showing up and filling this church up. And they had been, the church had been meeting in a tent for years. They had just built a new building. It wasn't super fancy or anything, but it was a nice, clean new building. And some of the elders came to the pastor, a guy named Chuck Smith, and they said, hey, you know, these kids are coming in, but they're getting the carpet dirty. Chuck looked at him. He walked into the sanctuary and he, he said, yep, they are. Tear out the carpet. He 
You know, if you go to Calvary Chapel today, the floors are concrete. So, my question is this. We pray, we ask God to move. What are we going to do when he brings in people we don't expect? What if he brings in immigrants and refugees? Are we going to ask for green cards at the door? What if he brings in the LBGTQ community? Are we going to worry about what that might look like or what that might be? Or are we going to have the shameless audacity of the kingdom and the shameless welcome of the kingdom and say, you're welcome? What are we going to do if the homeless guy who lives under the bridge on Fano Creek shows up at our door? Are we going to welcome him and are we going to say, you know, he smells like piss? It's an interesting dynamic if you look at Scripture, you look at the Gospels, the people Jesus turned away. It's a kind of a short list. Prayer is really, on one level, it's a simple thing, you know. I mean, it's just conversation with God. It's talking and listening. But here's the thing, I think this is key, is that it's talking and listening. It's conversation like you would have with a friend. And, and, and a good friend, not, not just somebody you meet in the coffee shop. You know how you go into Starbucks and you talk to somebody, hey, how's it going? You know, how about the weather? Yeah, it's a nice day today, whatever. How about those Dodgers? Uh, it's not that. It's a friend. You sit down with somebody and you talk about what's really going on in your life. That's a conversation. And that's what God wants with us. He just wants us to talk to him about what's really going on in our lives. It should be a normal part of our life. It should be as routine as what we do every day when we're with our friends, just talking to God. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I talked about having a place for prayer and a time for prayer. Those are good things, but we can't confine it to that. We've got to allow prayer to fill our life up. Sometimes when you need to talk to a friend, you call a friend, right? And you say, hey, can we sit down and talk? Sometimes, though, your friend calls you, and you're not maybe prepared for it. You're busy. You're in the middle of something, and your friend calls. What do you do? Here's what I think. I think sometimes God prompts us. We're, you, you ever have those thoughts in the middle of the day where somebody just pops into your head, somebody that you, you're not thinking about normally, and they just show, or, or a situation, and you go, oh, what, you know, what's that? I, that's God calling, hey, hey, what about this? And he wants to have a little conversation. He wants you to lift that situation up in prayer. And I think we need to yield to those things, be willing to hear the voice of God when he says, he, he pushes us a little bit with the Holy Spirit. I, I, hey, pray about this. Does it matter if we pray? Go to the next slide. First Thessalonians says, pray continually. Interesting thing, I looked up that word continually. What do you think it means? All the time. Continually. Don't stop praying. One of the risks of the Christian life is this, that sometimes we, we can minimize prayer. It can become trivial. It can become routine. It's just a part of what we do, right? We pray. That's what we do. We're Christians. Of course we pray. And we say stuff like, you know, I'll pray about that or I'll pray for you. And, and, and then we, you know, and maybe we do. We do pray for our friend. We say, I'll pray. Oh, oh gosh, I remember I told Joe I'd pray for him. I got to pray for him, you know? Uh, but really the, the reality is this. It's a gift that we have an audience with God, the creator of heaven and earth. We have, an, we have, we have a voice with him and God's not like the DMV, you know, you don't pull a number and wait in line. 
Uh, you ever go, I, I love when you go to the DMV, you know, you pull your number, it's number 46, and you look at the wall, and they're on number 12. Oh, yeah, we're going to be here for a while. No, God says, don't take a number. I'm here right now. I'm ready. I'm waiting. I'll pray. You can pray right now. Today's the day. Now's the time. This is, it's, it's the central thing we do in the kingdom of God. There's nothing that you will ever do in your entire life more important than that. God created us so that he could have relationship with us, and relationship equals communication. If we don't communicate with God, we don't really have a relationship. We know that in the rest of our life, right, in our normal human relationships, whether it's your spouse, your friends, your family, your kids, whatever, if you don't communicate with them, you don't talk to them, you're not really relating, and that's the same as true with God. If we don't really talk to God, we're not really relating to him. Next slide, James 5. That's pretty good. Forever righteous person is powerful and effective. There's no such thing as a wasted prayer. There is no such thing as a wasted prayer. Uh, Every prayer we pray changes the world. When I was growing up, uh, in my previous life, I was a gardener. And I had this old truck, and I had mowers and stuff in the back, and I would go from house to house and mow lawns. And this was a long time ago, and I used to listen to Christian radio. I actually liked Christian radio then. And um, a couple of you picked up on that. My favorite program was Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. Anybody? <laughs> you're, you're aging yourself, Doug. But if, sometimes I would pull up to a house, and I, I had so many jobs I had to do in a day, I had to get done but if Jay Vernon was on, I would listen to the program before I would start. And, and here's the reason. I'll tell you why. Through the Bible, it was great. It was, it was good teaching. The message itself was not really the point. The point was the end of the broadcast. Because Jay Vernon McGee ended every show exactly the same. And he would say, Dear friends, remember... God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. And I would wait just to hear J. Vernon McGee say, God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Man, it was awesome. Huh? Yes. (laughs) So... Prayer changes things. There's no such thing as a waste of prayer. Just keep that in mind next time you say, I'll pray about that or I'll pray for you to your friend. No such thing as a waste of prayer. There are more if-then clauses in Scripture associated to prayer than anything else. Go to the next Scripture. says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. There, There is a prerequisite to God moving, which is us praying. That's how it works. God could do it if he wants, you know, people go, well, well yeah, I don't get it. Well, God could do it if he wants to do it, but he, this is the way he created this. He wants us in partnership with him. He wants us to pray and, and to be a part. Kids today, I love kids today. Uh, what's your superpower? People have superpowers. You have a superpower, you know that? Prayer is your superpower. You, that, people ask, next time somebody says, what's your superpower? Prayer is my superpower. I love this one too. Go to the next slide. Exodus 17, the Amalekites came and they attacked the Israelites of Rephidim. 
Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. So Joseph, Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hand up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one, by, one on one side, one on the other. His hands remained steady till sunset, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with a sword. It's a weird little story. His hands are up, they're winning. His hands go down, they're losing. I mean, what if he started doing jumping jacks? You know, hoo hee, hoo hee. Um, but here's the thing our mind, we think about this, we go, who's going to win the war? You know, you, you battle today, who's going to win? Well, the biggest army is going to win. The guys with the most troops, the guys with the most sophisticated weapons, they're the ones that are going to win. God says, no, has nothing to do with that. The most important variable is the guy up on the hill with his hand raised to heaven. That's who's going to win the war. The prayer warriors win the battle. We don't always see things like that. We, uh, we get obsessed with politics and everything going on in the world because why? Uh, you, you know, our, our mindset is that's the determining factor. Oh, woe is me. If this guy gets elected, things are going to be okay. If that guy gets elected, we're, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. Or if this law gets passed, we'll be okay. If that law doesn't get passed, things are going to go wrong. No, put your, here's your, I was looking for a big pair of those big glasses. I couldn't find them. Put your kingdom glasses on and see it through the eyes of the kingdom and you see things totally different. Um, it's not about who's in power. It's not about who, who sits on the throne. It's not about what gets passed and what dis, doesn't get passed. It, it's about what God chooses to do. Look at Isaiah. Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. It doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. I'll tell you what's big. God is big. That's what's big. God is big. We have a big God, not a little God. God, God is not worried about who the next president's going to be. Okay? Can I just say that today? Just be at peace. God's not worried about who the next president's going to be. I, I'm pretty sure he's not worried about it. You guys want to come back up? Go to Isaiah. One more. Go one more. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Why? Because they trust in you. Keep your eyes on God and your hands raised and you'll be okay. What affects God the most is not the powers and leaders and who's in position or anything else. What affects God most is the guy on the hill with his hands in the air, the prayers of his people. Here, here's the thing. None of you is insignificant in the kingdom of God. Your prayers matter. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you've walked with the Lord for 50 years, if you're J. Vernon McGee, or if you got saved this morning. Your prayers matter. God cares. He listens. He's there. Your prayers matter. Your little no special language, I don't know how to, I, 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 I get it. People have said to me, I don't know how to pray. And I, I understand what they're saying, but my heart goes out to them because I think you do know how to pray. You do know how to pray. Your prayers matter. Just, just say what you want to say. Say it however you would say it. Say it in whatever language you have. You don't need anything extra to put on top of that. When you speak those prayers out as 
silly and, and meaningless as they might seem to you, you're actually connecting with the power that created the whole entire universe. That's what you're doing in that moment. It's pretty awesome. So here, here's my conclusion for this morning, is that the best thing you can do in any situation is pray. Whatever's going on in your life right now, some of you might have decisions to make or stuff happening. Maybe there's challenges. Um, you, you might have a friend or a family member, somebody that's not well. Uh, financial stuff going on, relational things. The best thing you can do is pray. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org forward slash give.